I was thinking about this sermon. I was like, I know Father's Day's coming up, and should I veer off of my First John series and do just a, a Father's Day sermon, or, or should I do something with this? And I was like, well, you know, it talks about the Father, and I was really leaning towards going ahead and doing that. So in the process, I was looking for a video to show, and this video came... Um, I got it on the, uh, uh, you know, because we get the football Sunday, you know, and I saw this video and I watched it. And the one verse they put up there was exactly part of my sermon that I was going to do in First John anyway. That has, that's, that's confirmation right there, you know. And I got all these pro athletes talking about it. So it was, it was really encouraging there. And um, uh, I, there were a lot of great comments in that video. And you, you probably had someone that connected with you because of what they said, or maybe, hey, that guy's you know, one of my favorite players, or he plays for my team, or whatever. You may have connected with that. There's a lot of great comments. But what encouraged me most about the video was the seriousness and the humility of those guys as fathers saying, hey, I'm an athlete. I'm in the spotlight a lot. I make a lot of money for playing ball, living the dream. But that does not uh, you know, it's not any easier for me to be a father. I have the same responsibility as anybody else. And God's called me to that. And, and, and it's tough. It's not easy. But it's so, so vitally important. I, that's what I heard those guys saying loud and clear. And, and that doesn't change no matter, um, you know, where, wh- whoever you are, the rest of us, you know. We need to be encouraged. We need to be equipped. And we need to be challenged to be the dads and the parents that God's called us to be. Um, so in a moment, I'm going to read our text uh, for today, which is in 1 John. We've been going through that. Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll see how John's teaching is very relatable to fathers and also an encouragement to all of us, whether you're a father or not, about our Heavenly Father. And, you know, and, I, and I say this at Mother's Day, and I think it's appropriate to say here at Father's Day, is, is, is sometimes because of the relationship we've had with our fathers and for some of you here today, maybe that's not been great. And, and I want to say I'm sorry from the very beginning because that's a, that's a difficult thing when you've gone through a, a rough spot with your dad. That can be very difficult. And so for some people, when you hear God is like our father and you didn't have a good relationship with your father or it's been a, not a good thing, well, you're like, well, if that's what God's like, I want no part of that. You know what I'm saying? And there's people out there that struggle with that. But here's the, here's the truth is that God didn't say, well, I need to use an, another example of who I'm like. No, just because someone or something happened and your father wasn't who God intended him to be, wasn't who he was supposed to be, does not mean that God is not the father he, he was supposed to be to us. And he's always showed us love. He's always showed us grace. He has always been, and that's what he wants for us as fathers. So I want to just kind of think about that as we go through this. So there were a lot of great comments, and, and I want to one that really stuck out to me, in that video was this one from, from Sean Rodriguez. And I don't know if y'all know who he is, but he's actually in town because he plays third base for the Phillies who won last night, all right? Uh, but anyway, he said this. I don't know if y'all heard what he said. You know, it's very telling, and it goes right along with what uh, John is saying in his letter. He says, we obviously have the foundation. We obviously have the guidelines, but we have that everyday responsibility of making sure that our kids Understand this is the direction, this is the path that they not only need to try to stay on, but this is what he said at the end, but need to fight to stay on. Did y'all hear him say that? And I was like, that's exactly right. We need to fight. We need to know that y'all got to stay. You got to fight to stay on the path, on those guidelines that God has clearly given us. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard for me as a parent. I mean, sometimes I want to fight for my kids, but sometimes we get so tired, don't we? And they, they wear us down. You ever feel like that as a parent? 
You know, like, give me that phone, give me that phone, give me that phone, give me that phone. What? You know, it's my crack, I can't put it down, you know. And, and, and all these kind of things. But he said, we got to fight for our kids. Our kids have to understand they have to fight to stay on the path, the very foundations of what God has given to them. And that's exactly what John's saying in this first century letter. Even though it was a different culture and a different part of history, he's saying, man, things are going on in the culture that are trying to take you away, bring darkness into the light that God has clearly illuminated the path for you. He's clearly illuminated guidelines for you, and the rest of the world's trying to darken that, so you're confused about that. And that's happening in our culture, and so that's why this, I think, is very applicable. So uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been looking at John, 1 John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He wrote the Gospel of John, which was about Jesus' life, the things that he did, the things that he taught, and ultimately about his uh, life, death, and resurrection, and also Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke did as well. But John wrote this. He was very close to Jesus. And then later, he's probably 80 or 90, as I've told the rest of y'all who have been here, he's writing these letters to churches that he is pastoring. And he's seeing this influence of the culture coming in and trying to break down the very foundations of who Jesus is and, and what he came to show us and, and who he really was. And John's going, hey, I can't be silent. I've got to teach all the truth. I was an eyewitness. I was with Jesus for those three years. I know what he taught. I know what he said. I saw how he lived. And so you need to listen clearly. I've been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And here we are over 2,000 years later reading these things because they're important and they have application today. So John has told us the foundational truths in the first few chapters. He says, our fellowship, remember that koinonia, we have this in common with God, the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. God is light. We need to walk in His light. Jesus has atoned for our sins. He has restored us to God. We have sin in our life. All people who have ever lived have sin in their life, and we need to be saved. We need a Savior, and that Savior was Jesus Christ. And He restored us back to the Father when we had been disconnected from Him through our sin. We know our Father, He says, if we really know our Father, then we obey His commands. If we really know our Father, He says, we walk as Jesus did. If we really know our Father, our love is for Him and not things of the world. Remember that week we talked about that? There's a lot of things in the world that are great, but when we you know, strive and all of our, uh, our, our energies go towards the things of this world and we leave God out, then that's, where, that's your God, the world, the things of this world. And he says you can't have it both ways. You either know your Father, your love either is for Him or the things of this world. And then last week we talked about, he says, if we really know our Father, we have this anointing. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us to teach us and say, hey, wait a minute. What that guy was preaching, is that true? Does that line up with what... God's Word said, is what I'm reading in this book or this magazine article or this blog or on social media or whatever it is, is that true? Is that right? And if we have the Holy Spirit, this anointing that He has promised us when we become a follower of Jesus and become baptized into Him, we bury our old self and we allow Christ to live in us and we have the Holy Spirit that says, wait a minute, it gives us discernment. Wait a minute, what did you just say? I don't think that's right. What, what is that guy teaching? What does that blog say? What does this say in the political whatever? The Holy Spirit allows us to try to make sense of all that in light of God's Word. And so that's what he's been talking about. So as we read John's letter, he is passionate about his children. He calls them little children. You'll hear it very uh, uh, many times in this letter. He says, little children, because he's 80 or 90. He's going, y'all are like my kids. I want what's best for you. I don't want you to get caught up in the, in the deception of our culture. You've got to know what the foundation is. 
So we're going to look um, at 1 John here in just a minute, but the, I want you to listen to this. The expectations that our Heavenly Father has for us determines our behavior and our actions. The expectations that our Heavenly Father has for us determines, or at least it should determine, our behavior and our actions. When we know we have a Heavenly Father that wants what's best for us, that has given us purpose and meaning for our lives, and has given us an identity, His child, then our actions and our behavior goes along with that. And that's what John's saying here. So let's, let's read what he says. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. If you have your devices, it's going to be on the screen. Thank you all for getting that up there. Um, we're going to start in the, uh, verse 28 of chapter 2, and then we're going to go through um, chapter 3 into verse 10. Listen to what he says. And now, dear children, see, he's saying, y'all are my kids. i got to tell you this stuff. I'm fighting for you. Continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And see, this is what we saw in the video. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we, will, uh, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All have all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure everyone who sins breaks the law in fact sin is lawlessness but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin no one who lives in him keeps on sinning no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him Dear children, there it is again, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who was born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know that any this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Now I know that's a lot. But you see John continues with his either this or that style all throughout this letter. That's what John is. And you know where he got that from, y'all? From Jesus. Jesus says there's there's not a whole lot of in between in a lot of things in life. We try to squeeze a lot of stuff in between gray areas. But he says there's either light or darkness as he starts this letter. There's either a truth or there's a lie. There's a deception. There you either love God and are committed to Him and His ways or you love the world and you're committed to their ways. There's no in-between. You either love your brother or you hate your brother. It's obvious through your actions. And uh, he said, as we talked about last week, <clears throat> excuse me, you either acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world or you deny that He really was the Savior of the world. And we hear a lot of this today and in his culture people were saying, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher and, and He did good things. You never hear anybody talk bad about Jesus. But he really wasn't the son of God. And John is going, yes, he was. I lived with him. I saw what he taught. I saw him die on that cross. I saw him resurrect from that grave. He is the son of God. And so that's why we have to give him our complete um, 
uh, put our faith completely in Him. And that's what John's saying here. So today's text follows that same kind of either this or that. you either children of God or children of the devil. Does that scare anybody? Does that make you uncomfortable? You can't say that, John. I know you could say that in the first century, but you can't say that in the 21st century. You're going to make somebody mad. Somebody's going to stop buying your stuff. They're going to stop inviting you to come speak at their church, John. They're not going to buy your books. They're going to defriend you from Facebook. They're going to cut you off their Twitter account. You can't say people are of God or of the devil, but man, that's what he's saying, isn't it? And that's hard to hear. But in John's culture, there were so many people trying to lead people astray. And John is passionately reminding those folks, his children. He says, continue in Christ. Show through your actions that you have been born of God. And where does he get that language? He gets it from John 3.16. When a man named Nicodemus came at night, and John talks about that in his gospel in chapter 3, and says, hey, this man named Nicodemus came at night, and Jesus reiterated to him, you must be born again, Nicodemus. It doesn't matter if you're a religious leader and you know all of the Old Testament of the prophets and the law. If you know all that, that's great. But if you have not been born again and you don't have a Savior, you're lost. And that's when... You know, Nicodemus goes, what what do you mean I get back in my mother's womb? He goes, you must be born of the Spirit. There has to be a life change. And then he says, how great. John makes an exclamation in the middle of this letter as he's talking about that. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And I said, exclamation point. It's like John, he lets you know, I'm serious. This is so, I'm so passionate about this. And that is what we are. Do not forget what your identity is. You're a child of God of God. And he's reiterating that. That word lavished. Do y'all ever use that in a sentence? I lavish love on my wife today. Like, hey, too much information, you know? But lavish, when I think of lavish, you know what I think of? This is kind of shows what kind of person I am. I think of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'm making it. Somebody else makes it for you and they play games with that jelly, you know, and they leave just a little bit on there. Like, what is that? I mean, I smear that stuff on so when I bite into it, it drips out the side. Lavish that jelly on. And John's saying, God has, right in the middle of what he's talking about, the culture is, 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 is concerning him. We talked about last week where there's been people in this church he's writing this letter to who have left because he's saying, you can't teach that stuff in this church. It's not true. I cannot let you do that. And they just left the church. And John's saying, all this is going around. And then all of a sudden he goes, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Don't forget about that. That's so important. And, and how great in the Greek this word is. It means of what country, what tribe, or what nation. That Greek word means that. What kind of love is that? What country are you from? What tribe are you from that knows that kind of love? That's, that's out of this world kind of love. And John is saying, I know. How great is it, though, that God loves us that much, that he knows all of our sins, he knows all of our thoughts, but he was still willing to die for us and restore us to the Father. God the Father has named us children of God, just like we were named by our parents at birth. Did any of y'all have any input in your name? Unless you changed your name. But none of us had any. Your parents just decided. And there's stories behind all of our names, right? Well, I was named after my dad. I was named after my mom and my aunt. Or I was named after my dad's best Whatever. But we didn't get a choice in that. But that's who we are. I'm Craig because that's what my parents gave me the name. And he's saying, you're a child of God because God gave you that name. He chose you. And I thought about when John the Baptist was, was born. And you remember it was a great, and everybody thought they were going to name him Zechariah. 
And, and you remember his father, Zechariah, had, had not been able to talk because he you know, didn't have faith in God that this was actually going to happen. And they said, what's his name? And they handed him a piece of paper and he wrote on there, his name shall be John, just like the angel had told him. And he immediately was able to talk again. So it wasn't Zechariah, it was John. That's who John was. Zechariah the Baptist, that doesn't even sound right, does it? But it was given to him by God. And what better gift to give to our kids as a father than to make sure that they know they have a heavenly father that has lavished Love on them, that grace. Kids need to understand grace. Is that not true? We need to understand grace that no matter what. And I'm going to go back to that in just a minute. Um, one of the ball players, Chris Davis, he talked about that. He says, I didn't really understand that concept of God the Father. I don't, I don't know where he was in his spiritual life before he had a child. But you hear what he said? He says, I didn't understand that relationship dynamic of God being the Father. That was foreign to me. He said, until I saw my own child. And you saw, you could just see it in his eyes. And man, he has big eyes, doesn't he? Beautiful eyes. And he says, when I saw that child, he says, there's literally nothing that that child, my child, could ever do that would make me not love you. And we, a lot of us as parents, remember looking at our kid and we know that. No matter how many times they frustrate us, there's nothing that would keep us from loving him. And that's why it frustrates us so much sometimes, because they're going down a path, they're going in a direction, they're doing something that's harmful, that's destructive to them, and we don't want to see them get hurt. And I tell you, God reminds me of that fatherhood more and more through my kids. Is that not true as a parent? You go, man, this is how God feels. This is how he feels. So many in this world, he says, are hostile to, to Christ's father because they do not know their father. Because we claim to have a relationship with the Father. We're an enigma sometimes to the world. And they go, the Christian stuff, that's so weird. That's foreign to them. What country are you from? What planet are you from where you believe that stuff and try to live by it? And then John explains that through this relationship may even puzzle us sometimes. He says, one day there will be an instant where there will be unmistakable unity between us and the Father. We will see Him what? As He is. Can you imagine what it's like? You know that song, I can only imagine what it will be like to see. What am I going to do? Am I going to fall to my knees? What is it going to be like to see Jesus? And y'all probably watched those shows, and I was trying to think of the show, and I couldn't think of it. But that show where somebody's looking for their mom or their dad or their son or their daughter that somehow over the years they've gotten lost or maybe even at birth. And finally, somebody helps put those people together. And then there's this meeting to go, hey, your mom's in the other room, your daughter's in the other room. They're ready to, they're ready to come out and meet you. And y'all have seen these, these, these reunions, and they come together and they go, oh my gosh, as soon as they see each other, they go, that is my dad. That is my mom. That is my brother. Look at the resemblance. They can see it immediately. And they know we are blood. We are connected. And that's what John's saying. He goes, we don't understand everything right now, but one day, can keep your faith because one day you're going to understand and you're going to see God face to face and it's all going to make sense. And you go, I am a child of God. This is where I was supposed to spend eternity with my heavenly father. And that's what John's trying to, he's fighting to help this group of young Christians say, don't forget about this with all the stuff the world's telling you. Then John explains that through um, this uh, relationship, it's like Paul says in, uh, in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. He says something very similar to what John's saying here. Is he actually quotes from the Old Testament, Isaiah. He says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's the same language here. We can't even imagine it, but it's something wonderful that God wants for us, his children. And when we have this hope, we purify ourselves, he talks about as he is pure. And we need to be purified. The world 
can make us unclean, y'all. We look and hear a lot of things that take us away. We allow His death and His resurrection to purify us, and that's what baptism is so symbolic of, that we come as we are, and God accepts us as we are, but He doesn't want us to leave us where we are. He wants us to transform us um, through His life, death, and resurrection into the child He always wanted us to be. And baptism is so beautiful in showing that. And we're going to have one of those today in a little bit. And this person buries their old self and they resurrect. Same unique person and, and um, uh, personality and unique qualities that you have, but now it is Christ living in you. You have the Holy Spirit. And we're excited about seeing that in a little bit. <clears throat> So when we understand um, that Jesus came to take away our sins, there is no sin in Him. And John says, you know this. We have sin. It needs to be removed. And that can only be done with one who was sinless. And I can't get my mind around the fact that Jesus was sinless through His whole life. But He was. But you can't keep on sinning, John says. If you do, you don't really know Him or who He is. There's a complete disconnect. And we see this a lot. I talked about a guy last week. Larry Flint, y'all remember I talked about him. He said he was in court saying, hey, I've been a born-again Christian, but I know I'm, I'm selling this filthy pornography magazine and doing all this stuff, and I know that's not right, but it's not illegal. Well, obviously, have you really been born again? Because there's a disconnect. You keep on sinning. You want God's grace and His mercy and His love, but your actions do not prove that you're really a child of God. And he says, as fathers, it's valuable to teach our kids the danger of ignoring God and following sin, the danger of those who want to lead them astray. And I heard um, uh, on Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, we did this thing called the Truth Factor, and we watched this great video. And this guy named John, who was who was uh, speaking in the video, talked about: Did you realize in our culture, kids with their phones and the internet, they have access to more information now than any person ever had in any other part of history in their whole lifetime? Right now, that's ca- they're capable of looking at that. It's scary, isn't it? The things that they hear, and they have to try to process all those things. And as fathers, we've got to realize that we've got to constantly... I think it was Matthew Slater who says, hey, all these things in, in, in society that are out there that we're scared of, it starts in the home. We've got to talk about these things. I sat down with my, my daughters last night, and it was pretty late, and we had a, a, a conversation because recently somebody that I know they like, it's a, it's a, it's a pop star and she just did something recently, and I said, hey, y'all know your favorite whatever. You, you heard what she just did, and they go, yeah, we heard about that. And we had this great conversation about it and said, hey, you know, what does that say? You need to think about it. I know you like her. I know you like her music, but what is she saying by, by the lifestyle she's living? Y'all need to realize that. I'm not saying you have to, you know, throw away her music and never listen to her, but you need to be careful. That's who you like. That's who you're listening to, but these are the values that she has. Do those match up? With you as a Christian, you've got to understand that. So kids need to know the whole gospel message. That we were connected from birth to our Father God. That's how we were connected. But somewhere along the way, we choose, just like Adam and Eve, to disconnect from Him. We believe Satan's lies and we say, I'm going to ignore God, I can do this on my own. I'm going to choose sin, I'm going to go my own way. But Jesus, because He was sinless, He paid the price for our sins through His death on the cross. And through Him we are redeemed and restored once again to God our Father. And as Jesus through His resurrection triumphed over death, proving that not even death can separate us from God. God wants us for eternity. And in these last verses, John is simply saying that there has to be a life change. You can't keep on sinning. 
How frustrating it is for any of us when we tell somebody to stop doing something and we go through the tears and I'm sorry and I didn't mean to do it, I'll never do it again. You ever had that, you know? And then within a certain night, you know, they're just doing it again. What were you really sorry with those tears? No, there has to be transformation. You can't keep on sinning. And he says, if you do, you're of the devil. He has never stopped, and that is what you're living like. John, you can't say that. You can't tell people they're of the devil. But John is saying, I heard Jesus say this to the religious leaders in his day. They said, who are you, Jesus? And he goes, I'm from my father, God, that's who I am. That's the things that I do, the miracles that I do. They say, how do you do those things? Because they come from God. I was sent by God. And the religious leader says, there's no way. We know who God's son should be like, and it's not you. He goes, well, you don't know your father because you are of your father, the devil. That's what Jesus said, and that's exactly what John's saying. You don't have to like what I'm saying this morning. I'm just telling you what John said. And John's telling us exactly what came out of the mouth of Jesus. And we need to know that truth. And I know that's harsh, and we don't want to hear. I don't want to think that I'm a child of the devil, or there's anyone sitting here today that's a child of the devil. Do you want to be a child of the devil? How many, there's days where we feel like a child of God, don't we? You probably feel that way right now. It's like, worthy. I feel like a child of God. I just sang it. I'm excited. But man, I get out on the road, and somebody makes me mad. The pressures of life, the kids not minding, wife nagging over just feeling overwhelmed. And God goes, you're not a child of God. That thing you just said to that other driver, the way you just treated your kid, the way you treated your wife, you're a child of of me. Why don't you just give it up? You can't be good enough. And he lies to us, and we believe that. That's why John, exclamation point, that's not who you are. You are a child of the king, and you need to understand that. And John, as we learned about last week, he chose truth over fake unity. Oh, don't say anything. Let's all pretend it's okay. Let's all pretend nothing's going on with that person. No, he said the truth always trumps over fake unity. Yes, unity is important, but not when we hide the truth. The truth has to be told. You can't, you can't believe Satan's lie. You can be God yourself. You can't trust him. And that's what Satan said to Adam and Eve, and they fell for it. And we've been falling for it ever since. And when we fall for that, we live in sin and we claim it's okay. We're just being who God made us to be. That's just who I am. That's, how I, that's what I feel like. And John's telling us the truth is we're not being like our father. And he made us to be one of his children. You can't just say some words. You can't just get baptized and then go back to the old life. There has to be transformation. If you've been born of God, there's an obvious life change. And John says it's either this or that. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And I know, y'all, it's hard to hear that. Oh, he's just an old fogey. He's an old man. He's 80, 90 years old. Of course, that's just how they think. No. He's saying, I was with Jesus. This is the truth. And when someone consistently does not do what is right and does not love their brother or sisters, that's showing theirs are not characteristics of your heavenly Father. There needs to be a change. So in our daily lives, everything we do matters and shows who our, our, our Father really is. And I really like what Daniel Murphy said. He was the one at the end there. And he says, you know, being a parent is like being a follower of Jesus. We're, we're ill-equipped to be parents, aren't we? We feel helpless sometimes. I get so frustrated sometimes and go, man, this is hard. I just want to give up sometimes because I don't understand it. He goes, and it's the same way with being a follower of Jesus. And it's in those moments that God says, exactly, that's why you need me. So come to me. Jesus said it like this, come to me, all you who are weary and what? And heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's what we need to go to him sometimes. Expectations affect our actions. 
God has high expectations for us as his children. We are his children. He's given us that identity and he's given us a purpose. Those are those high expectations. As Paul says, and I quote this all the time, it's my favorite verse, for we are, all of us, are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I don't know what the good works are for you. They're all different. But God puts us in situations every day where we can get, do good works for him who called us according to his purpose. And that's why he's created us. So the question for all of us today is this. Are we living like our Heavenly Father? Do people say that? Do people see the resemblance, the likeness in our, in our actions? Not just here at church, but every day in the way we do business if we're in the business world. The way we teach school. The way we act at school. The way we play ball. The way we um, play our instrument in the band. Whatever it is you do. Do people see the resemblance of your father? Nothing could be worse than to have somebody say, Craig's a Christian? He's a preacher? Or for them to say about you, they're a Christian? Would you want somebody to say that about you? Of course not. We go, when somebody says, oh, they're a Christian, oh, I believe that. The way they treat people, the way they treat their family, they just have this heart that just seems to be, you know, they love God and they love people. I can see that. I can see that they're a follower of Jesus. And do they see that we act on the high expectations our Father has set for us? 